Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today's guest is Josh Teske, who is lead singer of the Teske Brothers, who have released a brand new live album live at Hamer Hall, which is a recording from their 2020 performance with Orchestra Victoria to an audienceless hall, which was then live streamed to their fans and now has been made into a fantastic record. So how are you, Josh? What, what are you up to today? What time is it over there? Ah, it is 9.30pm. Um, we, it's, uh, you know, we're doing really good, doing really good. It's been, things are getting busy again over here. So we're kind of, you know, we're getting back into it. We've had a, you know, as everyone has, a, mm. a, you know, challenging the, uh, you know, the C word. And um, uh, so, but it's a really cool time over here because things are all, gigs are happening and suddenly it's all systems go. So I've been, we've been flying around with, with my family and doing some gigs up in, up in Sydney and, um, back down to Melbourne and we've been kind of just, just all systems go for our December. So it's been, um, it's been, uh, it's been an overload, but it's also been, uh, been exciting and fun to get back into it. Oh, that's really good to hear. I was going to ask because I know in particular Australia has been very strict or certain regions of it and cities of course about lockdown as we should be my friend lives in Melbourne and she just said they just had lockdown after lockdown after lockdown so I didn't know if you'd be um traveling yet and performing so that's great how's it been it's been beautiful oh, it's been really nice I mean we got to um really I mean I got uh we went up to you know up into Sydney I got back last night and did a did a thing for you know just for TV and stuff with a, with another Australian artist called Delta Goodroom and we did a with a, a did a song together in a beautiful theater up there um just just um wasn't a wasn't actually a gig but it was a you know beautiful performance just for for um for TV and that that was just lovely to kind of get playing again you know just kind of get my get my um you know, get the guitar, shake off the dust and, you know, get out there in the thing. And we've been rehearsing. We've got gigs coming up, um, uh, start of next year. So getting, getting together with the guys, been uh, in the rehearsal room all, all day today, just, just shaking off the cobwebs and getting, uh, getting, getting gig fit again, you know, so we're going to get back on the road and we're going to be doing a bunch of gigs in January. So it's, um, yeah, it's really, really exciting. Oh, it's great. A good feeling. And your gigs, are they just Australia? Are you going to be traveling anywhere else or is that not allowed at the moment because of the rules? Um, we we have got plans. We've got lots of plans to come over and visit you guys and America and, and all sorts of things. But um, at the moment, in the, in the, in the short sort of site, we, we are just doing Australia. In, um, so we've got a big tour around Australia uh, in January. Um, and yeah, in fact, in January, February, March, so early in the year. Um, and I think, I don't know if we put this out there. Yeah, I think it's out in the world that we're, we're over in, um, in America in, in June. So we've got a, we've got a, uh, three, three or four time postponed tour finally happening in, uh, <laughs> in the States. You'll get which that. Is, uh, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I think it's actually. This is going to be the one. I always want to shock me. I was like, I mean, oh, we're going to. Um, I think this is actually going to happen this time. It was almost like a. It was a shock to the system. Like, oh wow, actually, I think this is. You know, almost just uh, expecting that it's not going to happen now. You know, but you know, with that, with that, how, how, over the times that we postponed it. But um, and yeah. Anyway, so that's that's looking like that's happening. And um, but a beautiful, beautiful tour here in in Australia. We're we're touring around with a. 
with the Orchestra Victoria. So we're kind of we're doing as you know, as we're talking about on this on this album, where um we did a you know we've we did a performance during COVID with Orchestra Victoria and in, in the Hamer Hall here in Melbourne, and um amazingly like if if we were, if it was amazing to just try to do a gig in in general we thought let's think big and we're doing a tour with a sort of 40 piece or more orchestra um around the country over here you know so it's going to be really cool to, we're going big so we're just going to try to play this entire album as it is being recorded um with with the whole orchestra and and ourselves and and uh, do this in some beautiful spots around the country you know so that's um it's uh it's going to be a really really special thing for us how incredible i didn't know that you were going to be touring with the orchestra i can imagine even logistically that must be so different for you as just traveling with the guys from the band it's uh it's insane i mean it's a it's a crazy thing to do i mean we've you know we we as far as bands go like we're a pretty big touring party i mean not a lot of people we've toured internationally for the last you know four or five years with you know with our entire you know eight piece band which is not you know not not a lot of bands do that you know so with our hammond player and our and our horn section and um you know and obviously the four of us in the band but uh this is a this is a whole different level to kind of to work with an orchestra and um and play these venues around the country over here it's um yeah it's really really exciting and really just just an amazing um i think i think we're putting everyone to work and and who, everyone who we work with all the logistical sort of like things that go on it's just like okay let's really uh, keep you guys on your toes here to kind of get get sort of 50 or 60 of us around the uh, around the country <laughs> oh, amazing i can only imagine uh, what that must be to organize but um i was gonna say i spoke to sam not too long ago about his album cycles so it's nice to speak to both brothers now josh oh fantastic i'm so glad i'm so glad what a beautiful album and um it's uh, he's been doing the he's been doing the rounds over here i'm i'm, I'm currently in our house in warrandite where um where the half Mahava studios are. So we live above the half Mahava studios and mm-hmm. in, in the Yarra Valley of, uh, of Victoria. And Sam's been, uh, down there with the guys rehearsing. And, um, so we kind of live above the studio, the studio's down below. And, uh, so I'm, I'm hearing the, the live, the live kind of version of what they're planning on doing as well. Uh, really this month, you know, this month and, um, and yeah, so that's all coming together, which is, is so, it's been one of the beautiful things that, one of the positives that sort of happened with, with a bit of this time, um, you know, Sam in particular, he's really, um, he's a songwriting machine. So mm-hmm. it's been a real time for him to, while we can't be kind of getting together in a, you know, big format as far as the Tesco brother goes, it really relies on all four of us getting together and, you know, brainstorming and doing stuff together and writing together. It's been a really beautiful time for Sam to um, uh, do his thing, you know, things that he feels is not, um, you know, not the Teskey brother journey. He's, a, you know, he's got a, he's got such a wide range of um, beautiful ideas and this is sort of a great time for him to follow that path a little bit. So it's been, it's been really awesome to watch that, that project come alive. 
Yeah, it was really nice talking to him about it and um, about his journey and how, like you say, he writes loads of songs on the road when you're touring as Teskey Brothers and that you could finally have the time to get them out there. So it was fantastic. And he told me that growing up, obviously, of course, for our listeners' purposes, of course, you are brothers. If they couldn't guess by the name. <laughs> so um, he's more into, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton. You were more into, I think he said Stevie Wonder, just Reading, that kind of thing. Um, so you can kind of tell the fusion of the two styles within the band and then in Sam's own music. So I'm just um, curious, what are your memories about being surrounded by music and influenced by it um, throughout your childhood for both of you? And um, we always, you know, writing songs together as kids. Yeah, you know, we, um, as far as songwriting goes, I mean, we were, we were surrounded by music and, um, and uh, it was a big part of our life and obviously uh, playing together and, you know, our folks doing a bunch of, you know, constantly a big, big music community over here and, and a big musical family. And um, it's, um, we, we actually didn't start writing songs until much later on in our life, you know, but, but we, I, I, th- I think as a lot of, um, you know, musicians do, you know, you do, you do your journey kind of, uh, playing the, you know, playing your influences, mimicking your influences. Um, I mean, man, we did like, we were just gigging around here and uh, doing doing weddings and doing, you know, busking and, and just playing playing covers as, as a lot of people do. And you're just kind of just just finding your finding your feet, finding your finding your teeth, um, and just you know, really just doing doing gigging, getting your getting your sort of getting your sound. And it really wasn't until, um, you know, the half mile harvest period, um, our first record, you know, when in our, you know, mid twenties, you know, what are we talking sort of seven or eight, seven years ago or something, we sort of really started, started writing music for the first time and, and sort of trying to take that sound that, that we'd been playing and we've been kind of developing and, and making a, you know, making it into our own and, um, and write, trying to write in that style, I feel like it was a thing that had to, you know, some experience had to be there before we before we got to that. But um, but we were surrounded by beautiful songwriters. I mean, you know, you know, my dad himself had just constantly, uh, you know, a poet and a and a and a singer songwriter. Um, I was always striving to be able to do it, and I think Sam was as well. It was sort of a it just never never came to me until until a bit later in life, you know. So surrounded by this sort of this thing that you know it can be done, and and, and loving the the poetry of my of my father and seeing what he could do, but um hard to um yeah I'd actually do it ourselves. So, but you know yeah and and uh, and then and then these days we're you know we're, we're particularly Sam he's pumping them out you know <laughs> he's yeah, I an know. amazing songwriter. I know he is. Well, it's interesting you say a bit later in life then because I'm picturing you as this little kid with this huge voice. I mean, w- was that not the case then? Were you not singing much then? Because I was thinking, were people oh, just surprised no. by your voice when you were a kid? No, absolutely. I mean, I was singing like uh, like this since I was uh, since I was a kid for sure, but never writing music. You know, it was kind of. Um, so when I say later in life, I mean we didn't write songs until later in life. But I was always singing, always singing, and always. I mean, we were um, we were just doing blues numbers, you know. Like so, when I was, I was, we were singing this in this sort of um, screaming across marketplaces in this kind of bluesy kind of fashion. Uh, since I was about twelve years old, you know, so it'd be me and Sam on a you know on a couple of guitars, um, 
and just sort of set up here and I had a market and, you know, wailing across the marketplace and, and trying to, and, and always loving that style, always loving that, um, that, uh, rhythm and blues sort of sound. And, um, you know, so that was, that was something I've always done, but, um, yeah, it was sort of, it was a different matter to actually start writing songs in mm. that style. Okay, sure. And, um, do you have to be quite thick skinned to do busking? Do you think, especially at such a young age? Yeah, you know, I mean, busking is a. Uh, it, it was a really funny thing, is I mean, you do. I mean, I mean, we have, you have to. I think you have to be really thick skinned in music in general. You know, I think it was like um, busking's one thing, and one of the hardest things. You know, we some of the hard times of like as a working band is, you know, doing functions, doing you know, doing weddings and playing around. I think it's a great experience for any band to be able to do your time really work in the work in the road work in some of those harder gigs not like it's easy for us now you know when you do a performance with a whole bunch of people that have come to come and see you it's uh that's the easy way out when you're when you're you know sitting back in the background at a pub or at a at a function or um or busking you know it's sort of you know you just you just you you do the hours you're gonna play in and you just gotta you gotta be doing it for the love of doing it not to have appreciation from people there to to watch you do it it's um yeah you know i mean we did busking from a really young age so it was i think we actually what we noticed with busking was that when we were really young when we were like 12 to 15 you know playing some crazy you know singing muddy waters and hell and wolf and kind of you know, uh, <laughs> uh, blowing some harmonica and, and singing in the way i did and sam well in a way i mean we used to make great money you know this was really hanging out checking us out when we got closer to like 18, 20, and we were still doing it, it was kind of like, um, you know, it just you didn't quite make, you didn't have the same appeal as these young kids when you were there doing it, you know. <laughs> so we, started making, we started making less when we started getting a bit older and everyone was like, oh, what, what are these guys doing, you know. <laughs> well, not as cute anymore and adorable. <laughs> we just weren't as cute, yeah. I think it was a thing, you know. It was just a, you know. And so, so we had to get in there. So when we had to get into the pubs and the functions and stuff doing that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, so you've really come off and kind of done your time, I guess. And so when was it that things started to pick up for you as a band? You started to get the attention of labels, of course, because look at where you are now. So what? when was that moment for you? I mean, so as this band, you know, the four of us, we um, we we basically played played uh, played constantly every weekend for, you know, close to 10 years before we even recorded anything we had no recorded music you know we had we were we had a we had a following in the area out here you know so if you think of the Arrow valley and you think of um you know east of melbourne where we grew up we were playing for 10 years every weekend mm-hmm. uh working jobs and and we were we had a you know a lot of people know of us in this area so we were, we were constantly doing stuff and, and it was very we had a big local following and a big people always come and see gigs and so we were gigging but it wasn't a it wasn't like a you know there was no recorded music there was nothing out in the world for people to listen to and it was and and then hence you know we hadn't really written music either so during that time we were kind of we had maybe a couple of originals up our sleeve but essentially we were playing obscure old blues tracks mm-hmm. and we were playing a mixture of things in our own style very much in what you know what we do but it was it was a different there was just nothing to put out into the world so it wasn't until uh, i think i mean you can you probably have to check this out but i think around about 2000 and what is it i can't think probably 2000 and i 
actually got no idea what the time is, but when the the release of Half Mile Harvest, our, our record, yeah. you know, that was the that was the first thing we put into the world. You know, it was kind of like then, and it was at that moment that we did that. Things moved really, uh, really changed for us. So it was kind of when we actually had a a recorded album and some you know, recorded album of original music that we started. You know, I'm going to say sort of six, six, seven years ago. Um, it kind of it even on a local scene in you know here in Melbourne it was kind of like okay we sort of we put one of his tracks out and it was you know it was on the community radio stations out here and we'd never ever imagined that and it was kind of through the you know the beautiful stations PBS and Triple R out here mm-hmm. we kind of you know through community radio and things like that it started moving and on a local level bigger than outside of our little area in the east of Melbourne here and Warrandyte and St Andrews. And, um, yeah, and then it, it just sort of, it, it grew from there once there was actually recorded music and, and it was a beautiful, it was a really amazing thing for us to, uh, we never expected to see much from this kind of, this old style, this kind of like, you know, we didn't think it was a, you know, ever going to be a popular genre or a, or a style of, of music that people would you know, really get behind and we've kind of realized over the years that there is a, there's a real place for it and a real love for it. Uh, this, you know, this kind of just really classic, classic sort of sound, you know, and, um, and it's just moved over the years. Yeah. I think there is always a place for it. Like you say, it's um, a classic and timeless sound that perhaps isn't reflected on whatever's popular on the radio at the moment or whatever the thing is, but there's always this sort of, comfort and nostalgic feeling towards uh, the type of music you make so I think that's what people respond to I think so you know and, I, and it's really beautiful to see I feel really yeah really uh, a lot of love for the world for, for, for having a place for that still and you know rhythm and blues um, you know it's been here and it's and it seems like it's going to stay here and that's that's always it's a it's a timeless sort of music that's always going to be in people's hearts. And I think it's, there's going to be no end to that. It's um, with whatever changes and whatever things might happen to, um, you know, uh, music and the growth and how, you know, how, 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 how things are going to grow, which is all really positive, amazing stuff, but it's just cool that there's a place for this, this beautiful stuff that we love and, and, and so many people love. So, um, yeah. So, so fills my heart to, to, to keep that alive in the world. Mm, absolutely and of course your fans have stuck with you why wouldn't they it's been difficult during the last few years um so as your new album as you mentioned earlier so this is live at hamer hall as you said you performed uh to an empty hall with orchestra victoria empty for obvious reasons so um was it an immediate yes when this idea came up had you always wanted to work with them yeah i mean i think um yeah we were really excited to do something like this it was um yeah, it was a cool opportunity, and um, yeah, it was a it was an absolute yes. I mean, when we you know we had this idea, you know, come on the table, and it was just like wow, of course, let's do it. And 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 to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't even a plan to make an album out of this. This this was a a plan to do a performance with them for like you know a one off kind of like online show for everyone to watch and do things like this. So we kind of set up for that to film it and do it there in the moment, um, not make an album out of it. Um, but when we all got together and we rehearsed this stuff and we did it there in the room, 
it was really magic. I mean, it was really, um, as far as, you know, the, the band syncing with the orchestra, as far as my sort of, you know, getting together, having a vocal performance like this, like, almost like having no audience in the crowd, just focusing on the music and, and singing in this beautiful room, the, the acoustics of a, of a room built for music, built for sound. It was, um, it was really special to sing in this room and to have it. And I, I think we all came away, um, myself included, with just you know my you know my own vocal you know performance and everyone's performances. It was it was just this incredible take. You know, we did two takes. We went through the whole set once. We went through it again. So this this whole album is is recorded live there in the room from this special special take that was you know not distracted by there's a beautiful thing about performing live i mean and having the energy of people and i love that i always loved that but something about having that pressure off you of not performing but just focusing on your musical performance there live in the room and having an album that was actually no add-ins no like complications of trying to make this perfect sound trying to kind of um you know, just like, we can do this, we can do that. It was like, no, we had the score, we performed it. And that is what you hear is what we did in that room right there in that moment. And hearing those sounds just like kind of echo around that hall. Um, we fell in love with the recordings and, um, and we turned it into an album because we loved it so much. And I mean, it's not even like we were kind of like, we were like, oh, you know, we we just did a live album like last year. You know, like we're ready to we're getting we're writing for our new album. You know, and it was almost like you know, is this even a good idea? But it was sort of it was we loved it so much that and it was such a special, um, such a special work as well. I would say by you know, by Jamie Messenger, the um, the uh, the you know the 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 I forget what you call him the basically he's the arranger. You know, he's put all these parts the arranger there we are yeah the arranger who's who's put all these uh you know these incredible uh add-ons to you know to, to this music it's sort of um it was just such an incredible moment to capture so I think we we had to um yeah we we just felt like this had to get get put on a on a record so it was um it was a, it was a really special moment and I'm so happy to be putting it out into the world. Yeah, I can tell um, your love for the music and the craft clearly hasn't um, diminished or anything. And I was curious because you mentioned uh, your Live at the Forum album. Um, obviously, the anyone's listened to it, the audience, it's such a kind of big part of that. You can feel the electricity in the room, can't you? So what was it like just stripping that back then and just, you know, performing to an empty hall? Was it quite nice, like you say, to have that change? Yeah, you know, I think so. I mean, I think that's what's so beautiful about the Live at the Forum album is it it captures the like yeah, like you say, the electricity of the room, the energy, um, and that's what that's all about, you know. And as far as like, I think I can, you know, you can hear the the uh, the way we're feeding off the energy of that, the way we're playing, the whole the way the the band is playing that night um, that that album was recorded. It feels it feels so fed by the uh, adrenaline of the night, you know, which is great. And that just has this incredible sort of thing about it, but something about playing um, to an empty hall and focus and having a tight band with a, with, you know, with a tight orchestra sinking in together without that 
um, intensity of the energy of sort of like, you know, working with an audience and, and that the beauty that is that beautiful thing that is live music. But when you listen back to a recording of like when you play live at a, in a room like that, it's like, whoa, okay, we're, we're rushing things. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm blowing my voice a little bit more. I'm kind of, I'm screaming, I'm husking away because I'm just kind of like, you know, because we're just kind of like just feeling the room and I'm, I'm just going at 110% the whole way through because you're just feeling that beautiful energy. But when you do something like this um, in, in Hamer Hall uh, to an empty room where you're just feeling the music, there's a real sensitivity about it. There's a real sort of every, you can imagine that every one of these notes is just echoing through that empty hall. It's when you listen to this recording, it's, it's kind of like, there's such a sensitivity about from everybody's playing from everyone's, everyone's performance. It's like, you can hear a pin drop in there and it's, it's, um, it's, it's a really beautiful musical performance, not fed by any um, adrenaline of a, of a of a live even as a live performance it's a like like a live uh, performance to to an audience so they're two really different albums and so i think that's why it's um cool to see it in the world and i hope um yeah i hope people can see that that difference in that um in in how this is and this is uh, this, this is just uh for me just a really amazing uh piece of music as far as um uh everything together there and the way everything was captured there in that moment. It's mm. um, more than the, more than the energy of the night. Mm. And um, how did you pick the set list for the new album? Do you always factor in, um, you know, fan favorites when you're doing that? Yeah. I mean, what's really funny about this one is the set list. I think we just, what we did with this one is we, we tried to pick what would suit, the um the orchestra the most what would fit to have all sorts of parts added over the top you know the um jamie messenger the arranger what he could really add to it was kind of like it was like there's certain tracks that we just thought okay that's maybe not a you know not an orchestra piece you know songs like um louisa you know which we've always play in like every live performance which is a you know back to basics kind of like rootsy sort of you know kind of like driving drum song we just thought okay this has got a lot of room for an orchestra behind it you know so we've tried to pick the a lot of the more melodic kind of pieces that sort of um we thought would suit an orchestra so as we picked this this song uh interestingly enough as well um we had just released uh you know two original christmas tracks because this whole performance was set to be you know pre-christmas um last year a uh, kind of performance it wasn't meant to be for an album it was just a kind of like you know it was leading up to christmas so, so we added these christmas tracks you know? <laughs> so interestingly enough there's two you know christmas songs on there which That's i think right. in in hindsight we, 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 we may not have um put them in uh, being context dependent if it wasn't for the context of how we how we did this album knowing that it wasn't going to be an album or not knowing that it was going to be an album. Uh, so you have the, uh, the, the track dreaming of a Christmas and, and highway home for Christmas, <laughs> these two tracks that we just came up with during lockdown, uh, here in Melbourne leading up to Christmas last year. And, um, we just thought it'd be fun to, to put a couple of 
songs into the world uh, in the theme of you know it's not all about Mariah Carey, you know, is it? Yeah, it's not absolutely. Yeah, that's right. We thought we thought you know yeah she's she's got that check out there doing the thing, and then it's kind of like we just I've got a real appreciation for like you know Otis Redding and and Stax doing some of their checks they did where they did you know Christmas kind of songs, and they weren't you know they had a little touch of Christmas in there, a couple of sleigh bells or something like that, but but they were beautiful songs, you know, the beautiful like songs in the style of what the artists did. And we thought we could do that, you know, why don't we kind of, you know, do something in our style in a in a way, you know, and they're kind of freaky, you know, like I mean, for, for example, Highway Home for Christmas is kind of like this kind of almost psychedelic freaky kind of song. But it's you know, it's kind of a, you know, but it's got a little Christmas theme to it. And 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 dreaming of a Christmas is a you know, it's a beautiful, just just soul ballad about um, again, really about COVID and about you know um, separation and people finding their way back to their families during during that time. And so, so they're beautiful songs in their own in their own right. And but they but they yet yeah, but yet yeah, they're Christmas songs. And uh, so, which is nothing wrong with that. So we just thought that this is a really cool cool thing. And and they're on the album, you know. So and they particularly suited to have um, you know. They 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 came alive even more than our uh, already recorded versions uh, that you can find. You know, there's another version of this now with the you know with the orchestra there. It almost fits a Christmas theme really perfectly. You know, <laughs> no, it does. I think anyone listening, don't worry. They haven't uh, they haven't sold out. It's a very signature soul kind of boozy Tesky Brothers sound. You have you've tapped into the emotion of Christmas and wanting to be with family and friends, not the I want stuff. Um, you know, <laughs> kind of thing, haven't you? <laughs> I think so. I hope so. I hope so. It's definitely about the, um, yeah, being together and a bit more of a, a feeling thing than, than consume, 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 buy stuff. No. <laughs> mm. And did, were you kind of keen to avoid, because obviously there's so many Christmas songs out there, as we all know, most bands, uh, off well, they not most, but a lot of them have a go. Um, but did you, were there any cliches you really wanted to avoid and thought, oh, we don't want to do this? Or did, did it come out quite naturally? It sort of sounds like it did. Yeah, you know, it really did. It was kind of, it was really fun. I think we had to, yeah, yeah it was almost like this refrain from going too deep you know, it's like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk a, uh, you know, tightrope of, of how, how deep Christmas do you go? You know, you can kind of like, even with the production or, or the lyrics, you know, I sort of wanted it to be a Christmas song because it was a Christmas song, but I didn't want it to be all, you know, so as I was kind of coming up with lyrics, it's like, you know, how, how kind of you know how how Christmassy do you make it you know yeah. <laughs> so no wanted bells. it to be a beautiful bit of poetry still and I you know you know and I added a few things in there and, you know but but still to be a piece of poetry and to be a you know to lyrically be make sense and to be something that is you know that is beautiful and and not just there to be a you know just to be a, a cliche sort of Christmas thing, but, but also have a little bit of that as well. So, you know, I think, you know, if you listen to, I mean, really my song on, on, on this front was um, lyrically is dreaming of a Christmas is, is, you know, is, is lyrically the, you know, some of the stuff I put together and um, highway home for Christmas was a song written by Liam Goff, our drummer, you know, so that's a, his sort of world. So we, as, as we do in the test Brothers all the time, it's a real mix of, you know, each song has come from different individual members 
And um, yeah, dreaming of a Christmas, I wanted it to be a, a you know a song about love, a song about separation, and, and really like a love song, like I would always write. But I wanted it to be in the theme of um, you know leading up to Christmas, and this is a love song about you know we've been apart for so long, we've this this situation has kept us separate for throughout this time. And, and it's really, it's a real touch of, it's very Australian themed really, to be honest. So it's sort of pure UK uh, readers and listeners. It sort of may not make that much sense, but might be fun to add in there as far as like, it's a real, there's a real gap of the river with the Murray river here and the mm. new South Wales people and the Victorian people. And the river is the border that separates the, the two bits of land and there was a real hardcore border between these two people and, and, and the communities, there's a lot of towns that are separated by that river that normally would just cross back and forth constantly. Uh, but, you know, during the, the peak sort of COVID times, it was, you know, you couldn't, you know, a lot of these people that would normally be right there next to each other, you know, couldn't, couldn't see each other and couldn't sort of come across that thing. So it was sort of a lot of the theme is when you hear the lyrics in that song, Dream of Christmas, like, you know, the Murray River and um, when we'll, you know, see each other by the riverbanks um, in arm, it's all about that kind of when that, that moment opens up and where it was really leading up to Christmas, hoping that we will see each other again at that point. So, in you know, part of the, the lyrics of that song are all about, you know, I pictured a couple in my mind and this finally have been separated this whole time and we're hoping that, um, well, I'm dreaming of a Christmas with you, you know, that's what it's all about. But, but wanting it to make it, you know, um, yeah, wanting it to make it like a love song. But, but yeah, there's some Christmas themes in there, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there definitely are. And I'd love to know as well, what are your favourite Christmas songs? I mean, are you a Wham Man? Are you Bing Crosby? What are your favourites? Ah, yeah, there's some beauties out there, you know. Um, I mean, there's a there's a White Christmas by by um, yeah, obviously the the Otis Redding version of that is a is a riffer, oh, you know. Yes, the, you yes. know, I'm dreaming of a White Christmas. Uh, that's just that that does it for me amazingly. Um, We've got a song, um, there's a beautiful one, which is a Paul Kelly song. Um, how familiar you guys are over in the UK with Paul Kelly, I'm not sure, but Paul Kelly's an Australian artist and mm-hmm. some great Australian, there's a, there's a song called Who's Going to Make the Gravy? <laughs> okay, no, I don't and, know this, um, I think I need to. Yeah, yeah, I have to put that, put out, put that out there and it's a, Who's Going to Make the Gravy? It's a Paul Kelly song and it's a real... And that's a beautiful song in that theme. It's another Australian kind of uh, theme song in that way of, you know, it's a little bit of a, it's a breakup song, you know, which is so sad. It's about, you know, I'm not going to be there with your family this Christmas and who's going to make the gravy? Because I always made the gravy. This is kind of, you know, who's going to make gravy? But, uh, oh, it's a, that's a beauty. It's just a real uh, heart-touching sort of song. Very, um, yeah, a bit of a unique little track there. That's yeah, a theme I can get yeah, on board with uh, about gravy. That's one of the important things about Christmas Day, as far as I'm concerned. It absolutely is, you know. Yeah, and it's like, you know, is it going to taste the same? You know, that's uh, you know, is you can it? Only hope, depending <laughs> on who's cooking. We've all got that. That's right. We've all got those little things that your family does, <laughs> and um, you know, yeah. Do you know? Um, do you, oh, I don't know how well you know this song. There's always this sort of debate in England about East Seventeen's Christmas song, "Stay Another Day." Like, is it a Christmas song? It basically had bells in it sleigh bells but there's nothing christmasy about it 
Do you know that one? There's a there's a few of those out there, isn't there? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm not that familiar with the track. But um, um, I don't think I'm going to sing and, and, to you. That would be debate. a terrible idea. Yeah, but um, maybe yeah. just look it up. Who's, who's the artist again? Say? Who's it's that East one? Seventeen. They were a sort of a bad boy boy band in the '90s in the UK that had a few hits. But this song has just endured. Just it has sleigh bells in it. It's not Christmassy. I just wondered if that had uh, travelled to Australia somehow. Maybe not. They, they tried to sort of yeah, right on. I like that. There's a few of those out there. I know the Fleet Foxes have uh, some questionable ones like that as well. You know that are kind of like this. There's, you can hear like a theme of Christmas in there. But is it necessarily? You know, I don't think it's even advertised as a Christmas song. But it's just like you know. It's definitely, it's got that vibe about it, you mm, know. Possible. And good for royalties, of course. Yeah, of course, if you can get there on the, on <laughs> yeah. the old Christmas playlist. Why yeah, not? get them Christmas royalties. <laughs> why the hell not? <laughs> I'd love to ask you quickly about your covers as well. I love um, the live cover that you guys did of Jealous Guy and Never Tear Us Apart. How did you pick these ones? Ah, oh, yeah, beautiful songs. And um I mean, I mean, I'll start with a jealous guy. Um, I mean, Donny Hathaway um, has always been a is a is a, a favorite artist mm. of mine, and oh, one yeah. of my favorite singers, really. You know, like a, just a beautiful singer and um, an amazing, amazing way in which he, you know, um, yeah, just you know. Brings brings those lyrics to the world. I, I, that's so lovely he does. And but in particular, that 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 is one of our when we were doing a live album, that is one of our favorite live albums. You know, I think everyone in the band we really appreciate that live album. Um, and I mean, man, that band playing that night. You know, Willie Wheat's on the bass, and the the, the whole kind of like that 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 groove that that, that those that 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 team has throughout that you know throughout that night at the troubadour in la you know which we were lucky enough to go to a gig at a little while back it was just sort of sit there i think that influenced as well because just before we recorded this album we'd been in la and we played that venue and we were in there kind of going oh man this is where that live album was you know like tony hathaway was here that that band we were on that mm-hmm. stage and that groove that was going on that night was here on that stage among among many other things, you know, among many other artists that have played in that venue. But when you play in these venues, you get a sense of the the history and the things that have happened before you there. Um, and so that that really, um, yeah, was in our was in our mind then. I think so. We, that was we just had to do a version of. Of, I mean, we really did a tribute of Donny Hathaway's version of that song. I mean, we really just covered that because we just love it, you know. Um, so that was really cool, uh, had to happen. And the, um, yeah, the In Excess song, uh, Never Tear Us Apart, another one like that. I mean, that's another track that we really grew up with, um, and really, really loved. And I think we just wanted to hear that song in our genre a little bit, you know, switch that around, change it up and do it in... Because it's just such a beautiful bit of songwriting, and um, we really we we just loved it. I think we actually we tried out playing it. We kind of did it as a you know as a, as a band kind of live, and we covered this thing. And we just thought actually just loved how it came together when mm-hmm. we did it in our style. And we've just been falling in love with it ever since. I actually I actually just recorded a a, a version of that 
um, that's what you know. Just up in Sydney with uh, with an artist called Delta Goodrum, we did another version of that uh, for Australian TV on the ABC uh, screening this Sunday. So that's going to be you know in excess, never tear us apart with a you know just me on guitar, Delta Goodrum on piano. And doing this a whole other version of that as well. <laughs> so we just Amazing. love that track, you know. <laughs> yeah, Delta Goodrum. I know her. Yeah. You know us. We love Neighbours in the UK. I used to be obsessed with that. Oh, I would watch that. Everyone course. watched it after school. She used to be on that. Uh, yeah, I know exactly who she is. Um, so well, I look forward to hearing that. I, I, I actually forget that that's a thing, eh? Because yeah. I always think of um, when I say some of these artists, I sort of go, oh, you know, they may, may not make sense. But, um, of course, it's huge in the UK, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching delta you know first coming up in neighbors and things like that and she's always doing her thing over here and um and a beautiful a fantastic artist like a really um never worked with her before and really cool to uh almost kind of mix our worlds together a little bit because mm. i was kind of there on my 335 gibson and kind of you know set up with my guitar amp she's there on a grand piano in the um in the concert hall in in sydney and it was a cool little mix, you know. So we did this very, very kind of stripped back version of, of that song as well. So that was, um, yeah, really, really just coming into the world at the moment. So it's, um, yeah, check it out, people. Okay. It's going to be fun. Definitely will when it comes out. And do you have any other maybe covers planned for future live performances? Are you thinking of any other tracks that you might do, like, um, you know, Jealous Guy or Nervous Harris Apart? Have you got any others in mind? Yeah, yeah. We've got a, we've got a couple of our sleeves that we're – bringing into the world soon. Um, we sort of like, as we did that in excess song, we kind of like had this idea to kind of, you know, just do one of these every now and again, just pop one out there. Um, and in January, we have another very special release coming up, you know, which is going to be cool. So I think, yeah, it's going to be cool. So I, I, you'll probably, I, I think I can't, I probably can't say too much about what the song is and stuff. Maybe, maybe I can. I mean, probably off the record, I'll, um, you know, I'll better double We've got the, uh, we have the, uh, yeah, yeah, we have the, you know. I really wanted to ask you about this as well. I don't know where this popped up. I think I was looking at some of your YouTube videos one day. There are these reaction videos online of people watching you singing a song. It's just you at a microphone, actually. Have you seen them? There's like people react to Josh Teske singing. I can't remember the song. Give me. Have you seen any of those? I've seen a couple of them, eh? It's really, like, <laughs> apparently this is a it's thing. A thing have, you, yeah. have you heard about this? Yeah. People are doing this all the time. I, I had no idea, but... It's fun to watch, aren't they? I've had a really good time watching a couple of these as well. People send them to me and I've been seeing these kind of things. It's really, really cool, you know. I, I love them. some it's of like the, the, I love some of the, the American on. ones in particular, you know, some of the, you know, those beautiful, um, very charismatic Americans that can really sort of, you know, just like, you know, watch something and check it out. Very funny. You <laughs> I know, know, I love them. I think I would get sucked into a YouTube worm while watching things like that. And they were talking about, you know, they're going to throw their shoe or whatever every time you do a run. Um, yeah, I'm glad you like them. I was wondering if you'd seen them. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I have only seen the good ones. I think where people are like, you know, um, you know, they seem to be really positive about it, luckily. So, uh, you know, if it was a negative one, about, I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> The only thing that sometimes but, um, frustrates me is they don't get far. They listen to one note and then they have to pause and do their whole thing and then they play a little second again. You're like, come on, at least play uh, a little bit of yeah. it. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. Very funny. I mean, that was, I think a lot of what people are watching on that one is the, um, um, oh, what do they call it? The 
Oh, a, it was a session in Berlin. It was uh, the color sessions, they call it the color sessions. And um, yeah, so in Berlin, this very funky little uh, warehouse studio that you go to. And um, and basically just did a, you know, we did a version of our song Rain in there. And I did it live over a mic with just like the song in the background, like our recorded song. And yeah, I had no idea how big this thing was going to be. Actually, it's really fun. I kind of did that in front of that mic. We did like shows back to back leading up to that. And it just happened to be in Berlin, you know, for a show and uh, got up early in the morning, like 10 30 in the morning and did that session. And, you know, to me, I was like really rough around the edges. I mean, I was like really kind of like husky, really kind of like just been gigging back to back, singing every night. Mm. So it was really raw, but I guess it actually came out kind of cool you know because for that reason it's like extra or and i mean that that particular video <laughs> it seems to be it was like probably one of our you know biggest videos that we've ever done i mean like the color sessions have such an incredible following of people that, that watch this and I, I had no idea when i was doing it that probably a good i'm probably glad i didn't um you know just how yeah how how widely viewed that video was going to be. It was like, it was a, yeah, it's really, you know, it's a, it's a big thing, but um, yeah, cool. It's out in the world, you know. Yeah, the internet <laughs> works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? It certainly does. It certainly does. <laughs> okay then, Josh, um, I'm going to let you go now because we're just about at that time, but uh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Honestly, I can't wait to see that you're back on the road and see what you're coming up with next. Um, and please come to the UK. Just a personal request from me, Josh. Uh, we would love to see you. Oh, we can't wait to be back down. I love being in the UK. I mean, it is, um, yeah, it's a beautiful place to be. I really, really can't wait to be back there. Uh, ironically, I think everyone in the UK would love to be in Australia right now. Uh, different weathers. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we appreciate the gesture all the same on behalf of the UK because I'm now the spokesperson for them, apparently. So there you go. Well, enjoy those pubs because there's nothing like a UK pub. I want to. Be, I can't wait to be back over there having a, having a pint in one of those beautiful pubs over there in the country. Yeah, that's true. That's all we've got, Josh. We can't go outside. It's awful out there. <laughs> <laughs> Have yourself a nice, uh, nice uh, room temperature ale. That's what you do. Yeah. We'll do. We'll do. Um, okay. Thanks again so much, Josh. Have a wonderful Christmas. Um, hope you and Sam have a good one, and the rest of the band as well, and your families. Uh, much love. Thank you for the chat. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.